So it's a pleasure being here once again, brethren. And um, today, I would like to speak on a true minister should never be made to subsist on church board's door, for he is on God's payroll. So all scriptures will be read from the King James Version Bible. And brethren, I'll start in the next two minutes. So brethren, I'll start. Now, one of the most disturbing aspects of church management today is a system of dole to which many church boards subject their ministers and pastors. This state of affairs is most displeasing to God and has a demoralizing effect upon those ministers, their ministries, and their families. To be sure, its destructive impact on the household of church board's members is untold, and the debilitating effect it has on those assemblies generally is indeed catastrophic. This state of affairs cannot be allowed to continue. Therefore, Steps must now be taken to rid the church of this evil immediately. With this, brethren, you must agree. Now, all the blame cannot be placed entirely upon the shoulders of stingy church board members. Never. Undoubtedly, some blame must be placed on some pastors who are the authors of their own problems. And those pastors would experience no improvement unless or until they make some necessary doctrinal adjustments. Of this, I am absolutely sure. And those are not the ones I am here pleading for. For although I am but a layman with no pastoral ambition, my heart goes out for all pastors who fall into the category described prior. Accordingly, it is therefore this segment is dedicated in assisting those members of the clergy who are suffering unduly. One of the reasons for this sad state of affairs is selfishness among members of some church boards. But in most cases, it is a matter of sheer ignorance of a minister's privileged position as a pastor of an assembly. Therefore, in order to avoid a perpetuation of this sad situation, like Elihu of Job chapter 32 verse 2, I hereby attempt to set forth God's point of view on this critical issue. Moreover, my prayer is that the following will speak loudly and clearly to all those who have ears to hear. I trust you hear. 
brethren under the old jewish constitution also called the law god made sure that certain pertinent measures were therein enshrined to ensure that his ministers the high priest priests levites the singers and porters etc were adequately taken care of for life the following extract speaks loudly and clearly to this fact and the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar but i'll be reading from leviticus chapter 7 verses 31 to 34. verse 31 states and the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar but the breast shall be aaron's and his sons and the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priest for an heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offerings he among the sons of aaron that offereth the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part for the wave breast and the heave shoulder have i taken of the children of israel from off the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them unto aaron the priest and unto his sons by a statue forever from among the children of israel so that's the viticals chapter 7 verses 31 to 34. now the directive is concluded in verses 35 and verse 36 and repeated in chapter 10 verses 14 to 15 so on your own time brethren one can read those scriptures moreover in numbers chapter 18 verses 8 to 13 the said statue is again recorded but this time it is amended and the priest's provision has added to it the following so i'll be reading from numbers chapter 18 verses 12 to 14 and verse 12 states all the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the lord them have i given thee and whatsoever is first ripe in the land which they shall bring unto the lord shall be thine every one that is clean in thy house shall eat of it and verse 14 everything devoted in israel shall be thine so that was numbers chapter 18 verses 12 to 14. now what i have just shared is again repeated in numbers chapter 18 verses 18 to 19 for emphasis and goes to show the steps god took to ensure that his ministers needs were adequately met now the levites who were entrusted with a little lower level of ministry than that of the priest and high priest were not left to fend for themselves not at all god ensured that they were constitutionally catered for as can be seen by us reading numbers chapter 18 verse 21 to 24 and the scripture goes like this and behold i have given the children of levi all the tents in israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation but the tithes of the children of israel which they offer as an heave offering unto the lord i have given 
to the Levites to inherit. So that was Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 and 24. So institutionalized was the provision that catered for the needs of the Levites, that even after the return of Judah from Babylonian captivity, mention was made of this ordinance. This fact can be verified by reading Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 5. Brethren, on this issue, I can state a great deal more, but what was shared prior should be enough to convince even the worst skeptics that God took appropriate steps to ensure that his ministers and ecclesiastical servants were adequately catered for. End time saints, if under the weaker covenant, such great provisions were put in place to ensure that God's ministering servants were adequately catered for, would God be less concerned about the sustenance of his ministers under this new and better covenant, which was made upon better promises? God forbid. Brethren, please consider this again. If God took such good care of his Old Testament ministers, would he now leave his New Testament ministers to the mercy of church boards without having enshrined necessary guidelines relative to their remuneration? Not at all. For God has never and will never ever subscribe to such poor employment practices. On the contrary, he has given us enough guidelines in the New Testament to convince us of his unequivocal commitment to the welfare of all his New Testament ministering servants. Brethren, so committed is our Lord to the welfare of his servants that he has promised to reward those who will give as much as a cup of cold water to any of his servants, as Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 states. Now, any employer who would offer to reward anyone who shows kindness to any of his employees would do almost anything to see that his ministers are well taken care of. With this, you must agree. On the specific question of a minister's remuneration, the Apostle Paul places the responsibility for sin squarely on God's shoulders. This fact is confirmed once one considers the following questions. And I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, which states, Who goeth aware a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard, and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? The answer to that question, my dear brethren, is no one. He then writes an Old Testament parable which allows the ox liberty to eat while he treads out the corn. By so doing, he has surely established for all times the level of freedom with which the true servant of God must be allowed to function 
with respect to the utilization of the finances of the local assembly. So one can read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 to 11 for confirmation. Moreover, having said this, he dispels the notion that a pastor is not entitled to an adequate salary. On the contrary, he elevates this issue of the minister's remuneration to an appropriate plane and informs the local assembly that the minister's salary is a God-ordained right. So read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 12 to 14. Now, I know that there are those who use Jesus' statement which says, freely receive, freely give, as proof that the servant of God must minister for thanks in inverted commas. Well, if you happen to belong to that group, I surely have news for you. For the Lord, by the pen of the Apostle Paul, has settled that matter once and for all when he wrote the following in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. So what was just mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8 is abundantly clear. However, in order to remind the Corinthian churches of their obligation to pay their ministers, the apostle added the following. In the next chapter, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, which states, For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. So that was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. So, can any honest person, after hearing and reading those scriptures, still harbor any foolish notion about the pastor's legitimate rights to adequate remuneration? I shall have real difficulty in believing that, brethren, it is high time for church administrators to understand that a true minister should not be made to subsist on dole since he is on God's payroll. Appropriately, the Apostle Paul wrote the following directive to Bishop Timothy on the said issue and it states, so I'll be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 to 18 which states, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So that's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. From this apostolic directive, one can easily understand that the local assembly may be governed by a collective eldership instead of by one elder, as is usually the case today. Moreover, implicit in this 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 18 text, is the fact that all those who rule well 
especially in the ministry of the word and doctrine, should be doubly honored. Should be doubly honored. This collective government of large assemblies also makes for the streamlining of ministries and the specialization of same. Brethren, so important was this matter of a minister's remuneration to the well-being of the church that in his second epistle to Timothy, he returned to the said theme again. This time, however, he informed Bishop Timothy that the pastor should not be paid after the other church matters were taken care of. Instead, he directed that the pastor's salary be the first item on the church's budget. This fact is made abundantly clear by the following text, which is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, which states, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. That's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. This final directive, brethren, has its parallel in Numbers where it is written accordingly. So it's Numbers chapter 18, verse 12. It states, All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat, the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. So that's Numbers chapter 18, verse 12. So, as I come to a close, brethren, Dear servants of God, from what was shared today, it must be now clear that God has made adequate provision for your remuneration. Therefore, I humbly appeal to you that to your sacred vow, you always endeavor to be true. For God's word is abundantly clear that he is totally committed to taking care of you. Therefore, to you, my precious brethren, who are entrusted with the responsibility of determining your minister's remuneration, please consider this matter carefully and always remember that your pastor should never be made to subsist on church board's dole, since he is constitutionally on God's payroll. For if his legitimate blessings you spitefully withhold, I hereby assure you that God would not hesitate to judge you and your household. So that's the end of my segment today. I will be live next week again, brethren. Brethren, please spend time in the world. Jesus Christ will be returning and he will be returning soon. Prepare yourselves for his return. Have a safe and productive week. Remember that Jesus Christ loves you. I love you. Bless.